Hello, and welcome to this Guild Wars 2 podcast. <laughs> Here, we have uh, two of my guests, uh, George Wheatman. Hello. And Liam Edwards. I liked Guild Wars once. Well, you shouldn't be on this podcast then. Maybe we need to recast you. Wait, I was going to say, are we saying that George liked it at all? <laughs> when I was a kid, I played Guild Wars for like a three weeks or so. Talking about Guild Wars oh 2, George. You guys are not MMO gamers. Yeah, Guild Wars was one of the games that convinced me I don't like MMOs. Oh, no. Well, which one? The first one? <laughs> the first one. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I played I played that alongside uh, Fliff, uh, Fly for Fun. Fly for Fun. Oh, my God. That's a it's... relic, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. I played Play everything. nothing. <laughs> Nowadays, I have... I just... I play no MMOs. I don't. I don't know why. It just doesn't. Uh, even no, though I do play, it's classified. Play, so I it's think it's a drug. MMO. <laughs> it is a drug, dude. It's so good, though. It's so good. When 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 you picked up Civ Six last uh, not last week, it was like two weeks ago. You mm-hmm. you you haven't kept it up. Do you do you know why? Is there any reason in particular, or did it just fade away? It's it faded away and. It's just like it was a lot to digest. You know, I was I to get to the point that I was, I watched what like six tutorial videos. Holy crap. Yeah, to really understand because the tutorial in the game is garbage. And like you don't really understand what like trade routes or anything like that. Like it like for instance, I'll give you the example of the trade routes. And this is kind of like the whole game. Um <laughs> Okay. Right, like the trade trade routes, it says which place you want to go to. It says a number right next to it, right? And you're yeah. thinking, oh, you're gonna get one gold, one um, one food every, you know, fourteen rounds or something. Oh, like that. but you get it every single turn every for fourteen single, turns. Exactly, exactly. And it doesn't say that. It doesn't say. It just doesn't say anything. It tries. It tries. And, you know, I, I got far. I got all the way to the end of the tree. And, you know, like, because the AI is so, <laughs> like, boring. I'm not going to say it's garbage. It's just boring. Like, the AI just, it, it's just so They basic. don't invade you in, in this one as much as they used to. There's a lot yeah. more peacetime in this sieve. Yeah, but... They're basic. They like, oh, they either don't like you or they like you or they want to trade with you. Like they don't have any personalities. They're just they just this is what they do every single round and that's it. I've said this before. Like it's just it's that's it. I'm like other than that, I'm just building I'm just doing a city builder, yeah. basically. Yeah. Which is fine, but yeah. I, re- reason I bring it up is that that conversation a couple weeks ago got me to load it up again, and that's yeah. probably the one game I've actually played the most of these past few weeks, and that I have come to the conclusion deep within my heart that it really is currently my favorite Civ, and that when I finish my current round of games, I'm going to buy the expansion pack, and I love it, and what I'm realizing here is that, like, a lot of these preferences are just kind of dependent on how long you've stuck with the franchise over time hmm. because video games are so complicated like like you just mentioned if you if you're coming into this fresh like it's it's hard to wrap your head around around a lot of concepts that that yeah. I I will take for granted cuz I'm used to it yeah i can see that it's it, it's nowhere I, I will probably play it again 
I would definitely probably play it again. Just <laughs> I got hooked on Path of Exile, and that was the end of that. <laughs> when I had free time, I was just like, oh, there's a new league out. Oh, that means I can level up another character and try a new build. And, and the, the way these things are designed oftentimes means that the one kind of game you do stick with and grow up with and grow to love is uh, now this Skinner box of, of constantly ever scaling upwards positive feedback loops that, that make you never want to put it down. And before mm. you know it, you kind of even sort of forget about other stuff like Sekiro and Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I beat Sekiro and never wanted to start again. <laughs> it's just like, I'm done. The thing is, the thing is, it's, I'm not saying anything bad about Sekiro. Let's, 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 let's kill that right now. What I'm saying is, sometimes it's, I it's, just don't want to play a hard game. It's super sometimes weird I you say sometimes that. I just like it's it's too much. Sometimes I just want to come home from work and just play a game, you know. And uh, Valhalla, I agree with you, Georgia. What you said in the chat. Oh, we need to uh, say for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I I think I um. I've I've lamented that that a lot of Valhalla is pressing one button on the mm. keyboard and then reading the text and I've I've never gone all the way through a visual novel in the past I've mm. eh, except for Doki Doki Literature Club I don't know how much that one really counts but I don't I, I the, puts me to sleep man you just press one button yeah I. I'm okay with it right now. I'm just, I think I need a break from just pushing one button because I'm slowly getting through it and I'm just like, okay, I'm it's, just gonna, I'm just gonna play something that's engaging the brain real quick. Um, <laughs> because I, I've gotten so used to just pressing buttons. I just, I, I don't know. I wanna, I want my brain to be engaged on some kind of creative level when, when playing games these days. And maybe that's why something like Civ hooks into me. Is because uh, there's there's a lot more outlets for self-expression, a lot more different ways that can go according to one's playstyle, and if if it feels like an algorithm could be programmed to play the game instead of me, it just feels like there's an element of humanity in me that's not not being plugged into the the play See, I'm, process. I'm kind of seeing somewhere mm. weirdly in between the two. Yeah, because it, it, I have also now joined the land of Git Good, and I finished Sekiro mm. too. But the first thing I immediately did was play it again mm -hmm. because now I know it. It's safe. It's like a rhythm game to me now. It's not really mm -hmm. so much as hard, but something I know, something I've kind of learned to uh, accept into my life. So instead of like moving on to another game in which I have to sort of challenge myself again, I kind of just am like playing through Sekiro again and kind of like, ah, I know this now. This is comfortable to me. Is it? fun the second time i know with yeah. dark souls like you can pick it's, different weapons and have a completely different really build for your second playthroughs but sekiro has the one challenge. it's like you feel like you've definitely mastered something but there you've reached a new land it kind of weirdly reminds me of um when you finish pokemon gold and silver for the first time and you do the whole brand new like johto re uh, region and stuff and then you finish the game and you're a pokemon master but then oh my god the whole of Kanto is yours to conquer as well. And it's all sorts of new challenges, even though you're a Pokemon master. It's it's weird. It's like Whoa. super familiar. 
No, uh, the, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, those yeah, two yeah. are the same. That's more content. But because no, Sekiro is just like, oh, let's go over uh, yeah, the same it's, thing. It's still familiar. Have more of a challenge. <laughs> is there yeah. like yeah. a like like is there a new game plus mode when you beat it? Yeah. Ooh, I'm always a fan of those. Yeah. It goes up to endless. What are they the endless? I feel like it is. Bloodborne is the one I know. More like analyst. Analyst. I saw some people that goes up to like ng plus 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 or something. They don't have easy modes. They have ng plus 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 plus. Um. Yeah. So instead of moving on to another game, although I did stop playing something else. Um. I just immediately, after Sekiro was done, and I, I got to the point where I wanted Sekiro to be done so badly so I could just move on with my life. But then I realized it was like the most familiar thing to me right now, so it was kind of like my weird safety blanket. And I was like, I'm just going to play this again. Ah. <laughs> Yo, I'm still <laughs> I'm still playing Wargroove. <laughs> Whatever happened to Wargroove? Oh, I don't know. You that, should give it a shot. No. That patch, that patch, really, really changed things. It's like a whole, oh a whole other game. You sound like you're playing an MMO over there. <laughs> Please <laughs> come really back. Changed it all up. Please come back. Yeah, yeah. You uh, make a checkpoint in the middle of a of a match and then reload it when you screw up and play around with with different outcomes and the game moves a hell of a lot faster now than it used to it's uh i might i feel like that ship might have sailed for me it's in a different it's in a different port now ah oh. <laughs> okay well what else do we got we got nintendo labo vr that is something that the at least me and liam can talk about that is fresh uh, I, I went through that this weekend, and you have Ooh. the more expensive kit. I thought you were getting the $40 kit, but as as I found out, you got the, the $70 one. Yeah, because I, I felt like, you know, might as well build them all, even though I've not built any since the last week. <laughs> it's fun. It, yeah, it, I've uh, I've always had a decent amount of fun with, with the Labo folding, and I don't even know if I'd have more fun by myself, because I'd wonder if i go faster by myself. But I've always built them with, with the friend on the table with me. It's been kind of a social experience. And um, the uh, the reactions between me and my friend were, were really fun to watch with this one. Thankfully, I got it on, on video, and I hope to do something with that over the over the next uh, week by the end of the month basically everyone it was all good clean fun up until we started going through those mini games um the 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 vr goggles are sturdy yeah surprisingly so like there's there's a little plastic frame in there and uh they they also have you building that little safety cap that i doubt anyone really uses that gives more layers of cardboard in between the switch and the outside world so that it won't slip out and uh, the quality is, when, once you're strapped inside, looking straight ahead and not moving, <laughs> it was better than I was expecting. Yeah. It was sharper and clearer. You don't notice the 720p so much up until you start moving around. And there's this weird fisheye distortion, almost like the black hole. <laughs> like if you like if you go to a black hole in Space Engine and and see how there's uh, that that radial shader around that, that warps everything into a circle. But it's the quality of those mini games that I think really really alarmed my my friend Ryan. He he took off the goggles after playing with one called Animals Galore and just like looked at me and said, "This is like a Tim and Eric parody of VR." Yeah, but to be fair, 
they are not what you're buying this for. What are you buying it for? Well, you're buying it for the kits. You're buying it to make the kits and to use it for the kit games. These mini games are like the weird, weird spin-off nonsense secret games that you get hidden inside of the kit itself. That for children, for the people that the the whole Nintendo Labo VR is aimed at, is probably going to be at least like a good ten to fifteen minutes of some weird entertainment. I, I think we need to clarify by what we mean by kit, because if you play the mini games that require the goggles by themselves, they are of a very different level of production value than the mini games. Than the mini games that that require a big cardboard yeah. peripheral you, you slot into the goggles. You can't buy that though. You can't buy the goggles by themselves. You can only get the, the forty dollar kit with, comes with the blaster. Yeah, so you can you can only you only ever get the goggles with a piece of kit, whether it's the full kit or the blaster or something else. The point being that it is to accompany something else, and then inside of just the goggles themselves, there are these other weird spin-off things. It's kind of like I feel like if you're gonna criticize the mini games, it's kind of like criticizing the 3D videos they have as well. It's kind of like picking up the, the 3DS and being like, these AR cards sure are mm, interesting kind of thing. It's like the weird side dishes to the main meals. If if you pay $40 for the blaster, you you unlock a selection of, of mini games after building the goggles that I think include uh, uh, something like six different blaster games. Yeah, something and like they, that. And they have production values. They have their own menus. They have 3D assets that look smooth and polished they are games. but the mini yeah. games that don't use the blaster have you in almost unity prototype rooms of of low poly rag dolls that that get slapped around you basically slap around physics option objects from a third person perspective and there was a a collective sigh and groan when i picked one that was called something like uh, uh car driving i was expecting to be inside a car yeah, me too. with 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 the cockpit yeah. and you're actually floating in a third person camera watching a car drive around yeah. There it's, is 64 of them. It's shocking, almost. But there is 64 of them as well. Eh, quantity over quality seems to be the the modus here. But that's that's kind of the weird thing that I find it hard. I find it hard to criticize them particularly because they're not exactly what you're buying it for. It's not like they're front and center for the advertising of it. It's kind of like this is all the weird other stuff you can do besides your main reason for buying the kit kind of thing and there's a whole shit ton of them we just kind of made them up and here they are i mean i i remember you mentioning how cool the camera was and i was looking forward to that but the kit doesn't have the camera in it and and the the cam because you didn't buy the right one well they were also sold out so i couldn't find it oh. <laughs> um and maybe they 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 could have gone the extra mile and included some way to play the camera game without the actual camera cardboard. But the screenshots looked cool. They were actual fish. And and if you don't have the camera, you're playing you're playing mini games that have like weird looking triangle head, low poly stuff that looks like like a mid nineties version of, of CGI that's not not impressive. In what? The mini games? Yeah, the mini games. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, they, they are kind of what you said they are. They kind of are like weird Unity prototypes for... But they interface with the Joy-Cons quite seem- seemingly... Ah, seamlessly. And it doesn't and, do positional tracking. It's rotational only. Yeah. Um, next week, the Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey modes come out. And, and yes. I, I almost am like regarding that as the real meat and potatoes of the kit that I've got. And well, it's the beginning of, is this a viably long tail thing for Nintendo right. where other third parties can do stuff with their VR? Like, or is it just going to be a Nintendo once in a blue moon expansion Labo stuff? Or if they ever do a pro model in the future. I hope so. Like they're rumored, rumored to do so. Is that going to be like their full on? Finally, this is true. The, VR kind the of thing, thing is, what gives me hope is that they're. It is the actual like build quality of the goggles and the visual quality of like lower speed, more stationary gameplay once you're in there. And what gives me hope is that that doesn't break an idea I want to see that I will be using this video as an opportunity to push. And that is them re-releasing some classic low-poly games that aren't going to be stressing the system so much as uh, VR-friendlier versions that are going to look like, like when I was playing Dolphin VR, like a papercraft world come to life in front of you. It's really, really quite a magical experience that Nintendo, I feel, would be a great match for. And I, uh, I, I'm not seeing anything here that is still like causing me to give up hope on that dream, even if it is uh, uh, a pretty, a pretty it's, wonky experience. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I look at Labo VR as kind of both a very incredible thing and also obviously f- disappointing in the sense that to people like us, Unless the Mario Odyssey and the Zelda VR stuff turns out to be pretty fantastic, it's probably going to be a missed opportunity. But what do you think about it? The context of what it's doing, it's expanding VR into this entirely brand new audience of people who don't have to buy additional hardware like you have to buy with the PSVR on top of your PlayStation 4. You can actually just use the console you already have. Combined with the fact that, as I've mentioned before, the price is so extremely low compared to others yeah. and it's not a high tech piece of gear so you're not worried about your children like fucking breaking your HTC Vive or something they're playing with cardboard and then experiencing this whole brand new VR thing is so good and it's at such an accessible level that it's both brilliant and also kind of disappointing for like us for other people. But maybe what we'll finally see is that what it takes for VR to be priced at a point that is is palatable for the mass market is for it to be made out of cardboard and there to be assembly required. Like maybe, maybe I mean, those are the yeah, two setbacks wh- we had to make to uh to get our glorious pretty- <laughs> Nintendo VR backlog made. Like if you somebody told you when the Switch came out you'd be like That'll be a VR machine, and you'll interface it with cardboard. You would be like, "You fucking smoking crack, dude!" <laughs> what are you talking also, about? Like, such a Nintendo way of tackling the problem. <laughs> You're gonna play playing Zelda on that thing on your face in cardboard. <laughs> I wonder if it's gonna be how how it's gonna calibrate itself. Like, like you know, you, you have your idea of laying back in bed. I have an idea of, of using tape to temporarily put a strap on and off of it. And and if 
how if you're lying down looking at the ceiling, hopefully there's some way you can press a recalibration button to make the camera look at the horizon line instead of the sky. You can, you can do like the double tap, right? To like calibrate it or something. Uh, how does it know? What is that double tap? Yeah, that is quite magic. Isn't is it? it like an incredibly precisely tuned gyroscope thing? It's a little wonky. It doesn't it's, register it a lot. So sometimes it doesn't register. Yeah. If you have like the guards on top where it's like double layered cardboard, sometimes it doesn't recognize All right, it. We, we got also got to clarify for the viewers here. Listeners, I mean, rather. When when you you have your Labo VR head helmet on your face, there's not exactly buttons you can press on the Switch itself to uh, use menu selections and stuff. So what they have you doing is tapping the side of it. And there's no actual button you're tapping there. I'm wondering, I, my guess is that it's, it's gyro. Just a, yeah, it's just a marked piece on the cardboard. And because it's in that specific spot on the Switch... It's kind of where your your volume buttons are, if I remember correctly, on the Switch, because the Switch is facing towards your face. It's kind of where your volume buttons are. I don't know whether it's, like, tapping on the... That? I, I don't you're not know. actually pressing the volume buttons, though. You're, you're kind of, like, giving, giving the console two quick consecutive right heavy boops oh no it's not where your volume buttons are it's where your it's where your actual game cartridge goes in I, I think i think the gyros are trying to detect two consecutive quick right heavy boops but i tried yeah. shaking the console to emulate it and it would not register the shakes but it totally registers the taps so it's it's some black magic fuckery it does work so well. Like the camera is the best the best to me of like the reloading and the blaster is incredible and being able to shoot, but the camera, the way the zoom works, like one to one with your physical action. I wish I could wish I could feel that camera. How the Joy-Con just knows mm. is so strange. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, rotating the gyro, isn't it? Yeah, because you're not you're not doing anything but basically just flipping the Joy-Con 360 continually. Like you zoom in and you zoom out, and it's so one to one with your action. It's not like you do the action physically and then the game tr- kind of catches up with wherever you move it to. It's like you turn it a little bit, the game turns a little bit. You turn it back a little bit, it turns back a little bit. You turn it full, turns full. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, super re- weird re- how it registers. Regardless it. of the software quality, the the hardware, the cardware, the cardware quality of Labo has always been super impressive. And uh, Ryan brought over the vehicle kit, which is something else. Like you build an automobile dashboard with with like windshield wipers with little turny knobs and a pedal on the floor that uses uses a string and a gyro to to determine how far down your foot is the the gyro and the steering wheel determines where you're rotating the steering wheel um ir tabs getting pulled in and out of the windshield wiper levers determine whether or not it knows you're doing those i have no fucking clue how it's able to tell when you twist the knobs on the windshield wipers it's it's a complicated machine of uh of 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 cardboard gadgets for the vehicle kit that was that was something else there's there's two different dashboards one is a submarine that has you uh using knobs that that correlate with where a uh motor on the submarine in the game goes and then and then you play the VR mini games and they're they are not that fancy at all in in comparison to to some previous labo stuff uh, I would kind of, kind of wish I was able to find that seventy dollar kit and get the get the camera feel you're talking about. 
I still want to try the bird one when I have time to build it. That's the next one I'm going to build. And uh, I want to try that wind pedal. Oh, yeah. It blows wind in your face as you, as you yeah. soar around as a bird in the sky. Oh, one thing that is really uh, neat and different about it is that this is really the first kind of VR experience where they want you to be temporary. Like, you're supposed to take the goggles on and off all the time by a matter of seconds. And uh, it's it's very strange having having lived in a world for the past few years where VR is something that requires a like sixty to ninety second strapping process. If you have friends in the house, passing around and carry carrying and passing around the VR goggles and just handing them off to a friend, and going back and forth like that is is a fundamentally different way of of playing with it. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like the kind of weird. Local co-op, portable <laughs> VR. It. It's yeah. wireless. <laughs> but speaking of Switch, Matt. Ah, uh, huh? hello. I started playing Katana Zero. But it, all right. So, so Katana Zero. Um, I beat it, and yeah. Uh, oh, you. Oh, okay. I've I've been playing it as well. Um, it's like Hotline Miami and yeah. Undertale. Had a baby. That sounds Undertale, really? Cool. Undertale. That's like the best description I can give it. Um, yeah. I, what do you What do you think so far? How far are you in? So I think I'm near the end because it's quite a short. Yeah, game. it's like four hours. Um, I think that it does some interesting things, mm. but the execution of the whole game. Mm kind of pretty bad uh oh um okay man it's it's a looker though it it, it it's gorgeous well okay about it, let's, let's start the looks <laughs> my eyes start to hurt after all these effects man yeah. i turned Fuck. all of them off oh. okay yeah the rewind yeah. thing over and over again you can't turn it's the annoying. rewind off from from what i it's annoying and it hurts my eyes i'm so glad you it was a confusing and really annoying it it hurts after a while so if anyone is going to play this eventually definitely turn that off like immediately or your eyes will yeah, yeah. they even say in the beginning it has hardcore so effects. many effects yeah um it looks good the animation is good um um there are some good parts in it but yes the execution is a little is off. not so great the, the yeah. gameplay i feel is fun it's it's yeah. fine that's and, fine and that's the weird that's the weird thing the gameplay is really fun but you don't actually spend that much time playing the game why is that you like if you think to like hotline miami for example it's a game all about its gameplay and then it has all this quirky stuff on top of it but the amount like if you divvied up the ratios of how much time you actually spend playing the game without the game fucking with you which katana zero does a lot it like takes control away from you like it makes you think you're playing stuff but you're not actually playing you're kind of either a part of a cutscene or they're trying to show you a gimmick or something like mm. that so Katana Zero has like levels, but there's so much that happens in the levels that is kind of out of the player's control that it breaks 
away and makes me feel like I'm not actually playing very often. I'm like doing so much story Wait, exposition. Like scripted events in a side scroller? Yeah, there's a lot of scripted events and there's a they do they have this really dynamic like dialogue system where a lot of stuff can happen depending on the choices you make and stuff like that and there's a lot of like glitching the game kind of like Undertale like Matt said to like fuck with the player and to get the point across about the whole thing to do yeah. with the story and I, I don't I don't feel like they took a control away from me that much uh but i do <laughs> agree with the execution i after beating the game i was like okay the story you know at a basic level it was fun i i i enjoyed you know what it's I about but but yeah the impact of it at the end was just kind of eh meh Meh. Yeah, and it's and, a little confusing, and, and you don't really understand what's going on for, yeah. like, half of it. And it it's trying to do so much. Like, it's trying to, like, execute this weird, crazy story that is baseline super simple. Like, and you kind of get what's happening almost immediately, but it tries to, like, do so many, it's like, fancy... because it has fancy... to do with time. And they're, they're trying... Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, whoever's directing it or, or whatever, I don't know how many people are on the team. Um, Fair play, it's, like, one dude. Yeah. It is just, like, one yeah. dude. So he has his idea about... Incredibly impressive. Yeah. He has his idea about, like, how to tell a story and it be as confusing as time is, you know? <laughs> and, and when we say time, we mean, like, you know, like, traveling back in time and paradoxes this, and stuff like that. <laughs> the stuff that gets sucked into the black hole. Yes, yes. And... Um, <laughs> It, it comes off a little off, you know. It, no, there's almost like a, a Sekiro moment, actually. Um, but uh, you, you, yeah, you, you haven't got to that point. Yeah. Uh, I, but yeah, it's, maybe. All right. I'll, after you beat it, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. It's like, and this is the weird thing. Like, I feel like you're just for a game that's that short with that much heavy story stuff. Yeah. The amount of time you're actually playing the game is like three hours, forty percent of the nah, time. Nah, nah, don't listen. Don't listen to him, yeah. audience. Don't <laughs> because, listen to him. <laughs> because the levels are the levels are super short. The levels are super short. Every level has like a weird gimmick, which means that you have to deal with this gimmick. So the only time you're ever playing like the core gameplay loop, which is the easily the strongest part of the game, even though the controls are fidgety as fuck. The core, like, game, like, playing a level against enemies where you have to get past them is, like, super low. You don't... That doesn't happen as often as it should for in, like, games like Hotline Miami, for example, where you'd spend, like, a good 30 minutes to 40 minutes playing through a whole, like, house, going from level to level without being interrupted, without crazy stuff happening. Whereas Katana Zero is, like, every level is, like, maximum 15 minutes long, and then there's all this weird story and, like, gimmicky exposition on top of it that's trying to mess with you and, like, have all these crazy effects and stuff. So, like, that core gameplay loop, which is really fun about this game, kind of doesn't happen very f often as freely as it should. And I think it's worth saying that you can skip through all of it by playing the character how you want to play it. 
Like if you didn't want to listen to any of it, you can literally just say, "Okay, I'm just gonna yep. kill you." I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna carry on with yeah. the game. So that's but probably that's probably the stuff. way you should have played. <laughs> but that's the thing is that that's kind of what's really frustrating. That it gets to a point where I'm just kind of like I just want to keep playing, but you're not really like you, you you're like you're not really letting me do it. You're making me like walk around really slowly at different places, and I kind of just want to fucking chop some dudes up. Like I want to use sounds like your Red cool, Dead Redemption. Like, I, want, I kind of want to call, use your you might cool be getting those two games mixed ninja. Up. <laughs> I want to use your cool samurai powers, but you're like making me just fucking talk to a therapist and like, come on, just want to do it. And the fact that it is so short means it's like, well, you start, you do a bit bits of gameplay, and then the game ends. Hmm. So the. The gameplay itself, though, is very, as you said, reminiscent of Hotline Miami, and it's good. And the controls in the beginning for like the first hour are like, oh, this is kind of doesn't feel so tight. Mm. Especially coming off of like the back of playing like Sekiro. Like, I constantly made mistakes because I was like, oh shit, I was meant to press like ZR instead of LR. It's ZR. With Y. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and you're meant to press, like, B to jump, but if you press Y and up, you jump f- higher? Like, it's got all this weird systems going on. Like, if you're on a wall, you can, like, double jump, but only if you're facing, like, a certain way. Uh, yeah, it's got a lot of, like, finicky controls that take, like, an hour to get used to, but then again, it's only three hours long, so by that point, you've you've not really enjoyed, like, the first hour of the game. It's such a weird game. Well, uh, Liam doesn't like it. Um, no, I, I just find it super weird. I find it really strange. I liked it. Um, I I feel I feel like the execution could have been a little bit better, but I but I liked it. Yeah. Um, there's like a little secret yeah. boss you can do as well, which gets a little weird. But um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good little game. It's a good little game. I I don't it's know if I necessarily like recommended and everything like that because like yeah it might give you headaches man to be honest like (laughs) it might give you headaches the pixel heart the pixel art is worth is it's worth it if you're a fan of like pixel art like it has amazing amazing pixel art animation that shit is so fucking hard to animate like i'm watching some of the moves and some of the stuff that happens in it and i'm like oh my god this this must have taken just months and months and months to do yeah it's gorgeous at times well yeah katana zero yeah execution not so great <laughs> oh 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 uh just be just just before we move on uh netflix no chill i need to bring that back right? holy shit yeah yeah i watched a, a lot of movies a lot of superhero movies i see i rewatched captain marvel again um not as bad as the first time i watched it i'll give it that Still kind of, still kind of a weird movie, <clears throat> um, and uh, Ant Man, or or that's a rewatch. Ant Man is always a good movie, I would say. Uh, Ant Man or Ant Man versus the Wasp. <laughs> versus Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wasp. I'm 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 familiar with some superhero movies, but I'm sorry, I'm not a su- hardcore super d- dorky nerdo fan like you. I I watch I watch Ant Man so I can watch the second one. Um, because I I re I rewatched it anyway. 
Um, yeah, MN MN is a fun movie. It's it's different from all the other superhero movies. It's 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 um it's not very kiddy. That's for sure. Um, um, that that's always a good watch, and I want to watch the second one. I watched Venom. I never watched Venom. <sighs> God. Okay, so uh, I'll be quick. Tom Hardy, of course. He's always great. He's always great. You know. Um, everyone else around him was completely garbage. <laughs> It was just trash. It was, just the, the evil guy was trash. Everybody was just trash. Um, and that sucks because... Do you want to know something weird, Matt? What? I probably enjoyed Venom more than I enjoyed Captain Marvel. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> I enjoyed Venom. I'm just saying that the actors were trash. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought yeah, you were yeah. I mean, about how bad it was. And I was like, no, well, no, Venom, Venom, Venom and Tom Hardy. Venom was just the most like ridiculous character. And, and that story is just, it's so broken. I could say a few things, right? Like the point where he changes, Venom changes his mind about staying like, there's, there's nothing like, this is a big gaps just missing how the girl <laughs> yeah. reaches inside the facility to turn on speakers to help venom fight riot like what there's like so many plot holes and just just things that are just completely broken about that movie i enjoyed it though it, it's <laughs> my god if you want to hear bad execution this is a bad <laughs> this is a bad execution that was so bad in, in terms of story um but i liked venom and tom hardy so I enjoyed it still, um, so that, that's that's all good. I watched Deadpool two, which is probably better than all these movies. Um, well, Ant Man was I still good. Still haven't seen that. that yeah, I, I didn't watch it until just now actually, and it's, still haven't seen it. It's it's good, it's good. Um, Ryan Reynolds knows how to how to do some things. Obviously, there's more <laughs> people on that staff, but you know, um, he uh, he did a good job again. So. I would say Deadpool 2 is definitely a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Hey, what about you, George? Do you watch any of these? Do you, do you, no? No? I, I, I watch, like, history documentaries. Okay. Well, <clears throat> well, I watch uh, uh, people fight with each other because um, I'm, a, I'm a simple man. <laughs> Netflix knows my audience, though. Like, like I've been... Uh, Watching through through that HBO Rome series, and and also spend a lot of uh, Netflix time watching watching stuff like Ancient Geniuses, where they do little bio profiles of, of Socrates and stuff. And now they also put out another docudrama series about Roman empires. And the first one is Caligula, who's like the famous sex pervert one. Like like I, I watch a lot of documentaries, but. Not about that. Yeah, no, they're making them dramatic and fun. They're they're great. What? You should you should give them a shot sometime. About sex workers? What? Well, okay, Caligula was a Roman emperor who um was was a, a crazy potentially incestual sex pervert. When the treasury ran out, he ran an imperial brothel out of the palace to make money. So, uh yeah, it's kind of about sex workers. Well, um yeah, history, history documentaries. It's been a while since I sat down and watched the History Channel. So it's been a while. Yeah, but but yeah, Netflix. Well, it, 
Deadpool's on um, HBO, but so no <laughs> HBO, no chill. I would say <laughs> Deadpool two is a good watch. Uh, Does it quite roll off the tongue as easy? Yeah, it doesn't. Netflix, no chill is. A, is a, well, a Matt, I'm all show. booked in for Saturday. Oh, <laughs> Saturday? What? What's Saturday? I'm all booked in for Saturday, so I'm not left behind. I'm heading into the end game. Oh, okay. oh God! I, I am not gonna know what you guys are talking no, about. No, no, wait, George! I thought you bought tickets. I thought you bought tickets. I wait. What game are we ending? Oh, yeah. No, I. <laughs> oh my God! Jesus! I've told you guys that the only Marvel movie I ever watched was Winter Soldier because. Oh. Wait, no, there's two. Winter Soldier because of Metal Gear. <laughs> And and then Black Panther because going woke, but oh man, it's kind of being like at this point. At this point, it's being like Thrones, like Thrones. What? Did you buy tickets, thrones. George? What game are we ending? What game are what we game? playing over these Thrones? Game of thrones? Did you buy well, tickets? When when I was going through through the HBO Rome series, the girlfriend pointed something out that oh I think God. explains a lot, and that is that uh, it about might have you? Some, yeah, it might have something to do with my color blindness. I, I oh. might also have a, a degree of face blindness as well, because a lot of characters <laughs> in these series is look the same to me. And it no, makes that's just racism, George. That's just racism. <laughs> it makes it it makes it hard for me to follow the plots. Like like Julius Caesar's wife looks exactly the same as his mistress, and so I don't know which one is talking whenever they're not both in the same shot together. Like. It's yeah, Imagine guilty as charged. Thank you. Actually, you know what? That, there might be something to that. That because, explains uh, a people, lot, doesn't it? Yeah, because um, <laughs> um, people would, uh, or directors, or people in costume, the costume making, um, would dress characters differently just so you can know the difference between yeah. the two characters. Yeah, and I think I look at people's hair first mm -hmm. to point out the differences between them. I don't look at their face first. And I noticed that because two characters in this Rome series have very similar hairstyles. One has red hair, the other has brown hair, but because of the shading, they're close enough that my color blindness kind of blurs them together. But they all, both have like curly hair and I just, I, I, I can't tell who's who sometimes. <laughs> They all speak with the same British actor accent. <laughs> Did you buy tickets to Endgame? Oh, you! I bought out the theater. <laughs> okay. So no, you, I didn't buy tickets to Endgame. I thought you said you bought them. George, you have to see it before Wednesday. I buy haven't seen now. any of... I won't know what's going on. It, do, it doesn't matter, George. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters anyway, Matt. We should just watch it, and George should just be a part of the conversation. <laughs> yes, like like with um that other one. Which one had Thanos in it? Oh, Infinity War. This is part two of that. Remember when I just improvised my way okay. through the entire we'll, spoiler we'll, we'll, discussion? We'll, we'll carry it, Liam. We'll carry it. Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm with you there, Matt, because you were like, we have to talk about it, and I was like, I don't know if I can no, see. No, Matt, but I, I also I, I did it. Busting my balls to get tickets. I, I also want to yeah, clarify. We, we have tickets. It's like three hours of your life. We have tickets for <laughs> for Detective lot, yeah. Pikachu, not not Endgame, because that's video games. I'm gonna oh. recognize the characters better. That's the one you weird. said. Okay. I'm actually getting more and more excited about that. The more I see. 
Like, I'm hyped about. It's gonna be good. Fucking man. fuzzy Pikachu. It's, it's gonna be it, it. At least it's uh, gonna be an enjoyable watch. I feel. Yeah, I actually think it'll get pretty high reviews. I'll be amazed if it if it tanks in some way. It's not it gonna just, be a Captain Marvel, yeah. <laughs> not gonna be as stellar as Captain Marvel. Ooh, I'm hoping Endgame. Well. Yeah, I have faith that Endgame will be good. Yeah, man, of course it's it's gonna be decent. I mean, all those actors they're not gonna they're gonna, they're gonna make it, they're gonna make that garbage. It's like it's yeah, it's, I'm, I'm yeah. Mm, I'm gonna hold my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hold my tongue and uh, move on. So that's well, uh, that's that's we're May, in the end game now. May 9th, I believe. Oh, wait, let me look up the date for Detective Pikachu because uh, that's that's what I'm. Yeah, May 9th, May 9th. All right, one, God, two. It's, that's God. It's almost May. Oh my three God, what episodes happening? from now, we'll be we'll be talking about Detective Pikachu, and I guess uh, I'll be improvising my way through through. Uh, Spoiler chat of Endgame next week. <laughs> Wait, no. I mean, yes, I'm totally going to see Endgame, and I will have a very serious discussion about its spoilers. We look forward to your divisive, complex input. Yes, my well-informed divisive, complex input. <laughs> Them tickets are probably sold out. Atlanta's crazy for tickets. I don't know why. Hello? Yo. Yo. Oh, okay. Yo. Everyone just stopped. What was what, what that? The break? Is that the break? It could be. <laughs> I guess it is now. It is now. <laughs> I we're getting better at being bad. This is great. <laughs> oh my god. So Anyways. was that really the 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 break? Can I go poop? Oh yeah yeah yeah. No okay, no I'll no. Be no right back. You definitely don't don't leave that in. No no no. <laughs> Never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding, so powerful, so deadly. He's Conan, the librarian. Can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Conan, the librarian. I'm sorry, these books are a little overdue. <laughs> <laughs> Conan the Librarian tonight only on News 62. So the, <laughs> the, the news the news story this week we have two very complicated two very painful ones uh, that and uh, you put them in anyway. Yeah, because because they're going to be fun to talk about. The first is is once again Chinese game censorship, which I believe we got into a little bit of a spat about last time. But maybe maybe this one will go better. No, because I feel no, like like not. the the morality of this story is a little more more clear cut cut and clean and uh that is that basically um china has reopened its game approval process after it was put on freeze for about nine months starting last year during the the great loot box crisis of of 2018-19 um and on april 10th they held a conference announcing their new rules for reopening it they are starting to put a thousand games back into circulation. There will now be an in true uh, 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 comrade fashion a a market cap on how many video games are allowed to be released in China in a given year. 
uh, the TechCrunch article that, that tried to sum up and translate everything to not specify what the exact number is going to be, just that there's going to be a cap. Uh, How Mahjong does that even get decided? By the, the party. It's, it's no, like, authoritarian uh, capitalism marketing itself as communism. So weird. So, so the idea is that the party is able to micromanage a market that operates with some degree of freedom. And in this case, and in the Soviet Union, they, there, there were less freedoms afforded to its marketplace. But here, Chinese people can start businesses and make games so long as they don't go over the yearly cap on how many games they're allowed to release per year through the approval agency. Mahjong and poker games are not going to be approved either over concerns that they will channel their way into illegal gambling, which means that moneyless, which apparently was happening earlier, but now moneyless gambling games are, are not allowed. Um... And the one thing that really weirds me out that I would actually be feverishly interested in looking into more details of is uh, their set of rules about how they're not going to approve games that feature the country's imperial past, particularly uh, uh, the, the theming of Gongdao, which directly translates to harem scheming involving concubines manipulating, pressuring, and scheming against the, the, the politicians and the, the emperors, as well as Guangdao, which is the word for palace official competition. Not quite sure what that means. I, I, I want to look into this stuff because that sounds like it's going to backfire spectacularly, especially if a, like... Revolutionary regime wants to market itself as a as a as a symbol of national pride, like national history. What, what are we talking about here? What are we, why did you pick something easy like uh, epic abusing workers or 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 you know <laughs> take two getting massive bonus for people buying ma- massive microtransactions? Like what, what is this? Because <laughs> China is the world's largest market in video games. They are making the most money off of video games right now, and they're doing it with these weird rules that strike the rest of us as as anachronisms of different times and places and and theories of governance it's it's scary and and it also makes me worried about the future of projects like total war three kingdoms or just any video game based off of the the three kingdoms period in chinese history which is a popular series in japan right like there's a lot of uh of, of Japanese-made games that, that still take place in Chinese history because the two cultures are fairly closely related to each other despite the, the, the differences they've, they've had throughout history. And I'm wondering now, like, how this is going to affect the, the market predictability of games like that succeeding well because I have no doubt that because of China rising as a video game um, uh, market, that games like Total War Three Kingdoms are getting made in the first place. Chinese history is a really fun setting with a lot of in- inspiring stories behind it, and you'd think that they'd want to market that more, especially since the most popular shows now on China's uh, TV streaming services do take place in in historical Chinese courts. They're 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 history dramas, but. Apparently, you're not going to get that in Chinese games anymore, or or foreign games made for China. And didn't they also ban? Didn't they also ban like their most popular TV show anyway? China Maybe they doesn't they'd... seem to care. <laughs> Hang on, I'm 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 a, I'm gonna plug that into Google because if so, that's alarming as well. Because like, I, 
You guys what is were that, saying that that period drama. I forget. I can't remember the name of it. But like basically, whatever China's biggest TV show was, they've like they've cancelled it or something. Like because it was doing something that it wasn't allowed to be doing. So a quick Google search for China bans TV show brings up headlines that that read from CNN. Well, China's hit period drama Yangtze Palace face censorship. China to ban foreign TV during prime time. Chinese censors are clamping down on foreign TV shows, which is a trend of the the Chinese economy of the 21st century. They 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 introduce some foreign businesses and foreign concepts into the market, and then start putting restrictions on them to encourage the growth of domestic businesses. In this case. Those restrictions are basically censorship. Like it's one thing to say, I, man. I don't know if I still get what you, the, the argument that you guys were talking about about how how if if devotion comes out with a joke making fun of the premiere, they should expect to be censored. But now, like games explicitly no, no, made. No, 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 no. That's okay, not what okay. We were oh saying. yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. That, I'm not going back into this because it was a mess. Let's not go back and do this particular. No, right. they're not Chinese developers. They're not Chinese developers, but they understand the context of what will happen if that is in there when they sell it in China. It is different to like something getting. They knew full well before that this would happen, and also they came out saying it was placeholder text anyway, so it was in there by mistake. It wasn't supposed to be there anyway. That was not them. Making a game with the intention of we don't think this will be censored, they full know full well knew that something like that would alarm not alarm would register on the radar of those types of government board things in China that bans shit like this. They obviously have a record for that. Well, now There's, it's officially on the books that you can't even have it in a historical setting. Well, you can't even do anything. Didn't they announce today that you can't have, like, puddles of blood? No blood, no corpses. You can't even turn it green like in like in Germany back in the day. Well, ah! lucky, lucky for China, League of Legends doesn't have blood. Yeah, Chinese games are going to have corpses just shrink away into nothing as soon as people die, I guess. Like an old JRPG. <laughs> <laughs> like the... <laughs> uh, like the the vibrating Final Fantasy fade to white. The history thing just absolutely like like boggles me. Um, um, TechCrunch's analyst says the Chinese officials worry of quote obscene contents and the risk of political metaphors. So, I got I got a history story for you guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me let me strap myself in here. The risk of political metaphor that uh, their their translator might be referring to is potentially related to the concept of there being a right to revolution in a lot of Chinese political philosophy. Way, way, way back long ago in like 1000 BC, the ruling Zhao dynasty wrote into its, its political philosophy that uh, they consider that the people of China have a right to revolt if the current government fails, and that it is a divine right ordained by God. The, the mandate of heaven includes some provision saying that if there's a lot of floods and famines and natural disasters, that means the current regime has got to go and get replaced. And so throughout history... A lot of the regimes that have overthrown previous chi Chinese regimes have, have more or less been seen as continuing on the same 
ancient ethos of, of the originators. And as a result, China is the longest lasting contiguous civilization in history, to the point where the, the, the terracotta army is, is the tomb of the first emperor, and archaeologists don't actually want to dig deeper in there. Partially because ancient writings talk about rivers of mercury, which would poison them, but also because they still see that guy as a relevant ancestor whose resting place should be respected. Like, there is still... Chinese history is considered a still-living memory of that directly that the current situation was directly inherited by. And that concept of the right to revolution also partially explains how, how communism became so popular there in the first place, and also why the current regime might be really, really spooked of people discovering that that was written into their writings, and that if the current fairly nice standard of living enjoyed by the new middle class of China, if, if their economic situation dwindles, they might not want them to know about that part of their history. They might not want people thinking about revolting. Well, that's one silly thing to think, considering the internet exists and there will always be a way. Uh, uh, well, the Chinese internet is no, very different. There will always be a way. You're not allowed Facebook in China yet. I wonder how many Chinese Facebook accounts there are in the world. They're also one of the first nations to actually effectively censor the internet. And a lot of Western companies are going along with that. So this could be um, actual cultural sensitivities from, from current Chinese authorities who consider their, their history to be a still... Uh, uh, sacred, still relevant part of, of modern living, or it could actually be an Orwellian effort to censor history and keep the people ignorant of this concept of the right to revolt, which has been just... Realistically, I, I don't think that could ever happen anymore. Now that, now that the internet's there? Yeah. North Korea got a head start. They studied that shit before the internet even existed. Now you can do whatever the hell you like to brainwash people, but... I don't think you can get away with that, no matter how hard you try now. I don't know, man. Like, even even the, 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 the freedoms of internet we enjoy in the West is resulting in people getting brainwashed for authoritarian causes. I mean, brainwashing is different to just completely, like, hiding real info. China could basically just make up fake info and then confuse everybody, but that's different to straight up just hiding so any 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 further thoughts? I'm I am alarmed and saddened by this news. I'm I'm also confused by it. You have some. I'm looking at these topics here, and the next one is not any better. No, it's not any better. And, uh, and I I think I'm just gonna leave now. What? No. No. Don't go. You don't. You don't. Everyone already turned it off already. You don't want to hear. Okay. You don't. You don't want to go on the adventure of potentially saying some really stupid bullshit in this incredibly weird, sensitive story about an incredibly as, as, big. As fuck people, up. before we head into the next story, as people oh who periodically every every Tuesday and Wednesday, depending on which one of us is which, um, who periodically say dumb shit that gets edited out. <laughs> Yes. Frequently, yeah. I have zero idea 
how the next story ever happened. Like, what? I, shit. Okay. I have my suspicions. I okay. I feel like I I might have been there myself. I don't I don't know anything about the story. So so. Oh boy. Now well, you love me. this. This is this is a delightful little roller coaster. I'm a, I'm already strapped in. So. So you know how Joker from Persona Five got put into Smash this week, right? Or yeah, last week. And he's good. Side, <laughs> side, side note, side note, did download him, did play him. He's really fun. And as a Persona fan and as a huge Smash Brothers fan, this has been a, quite a delight for me. Forgot to mention. Very cool. Uh, the, the character includes a song for their stage that uh, is an extended version of the like anime intro opening from Persona 5. Uh, that includes... Uh, it's it's not the opening, is it? It's just one of the tracks from yeah, the game. Close enough. Um, in in Persona Five, you would not hear the part of the song that such people like Kotaku UK editor Laura Kate Dale was now able to hear in the background of the Smash stage for Joker, and she heard a very suspicious bit of lyrics. She was that, uh, told by somebody. It, it it sounds like she like, received um, an email. Supposedly, she received an email from somebody who thought they heard it, and then she already knew what the word was. So when she listened to it, like, oh wow, I'm surprised. the The common fan consensus is that at some point in the background, in between verses of the actually transcribed lyrics, you can look up and see there's some some whispered improvisational like like kind of scat mouth singing going on between these verses in which the singer mumbles something that sounds like retarget n- 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 wait, what <sighs> wait, you mean wait what re retarget or or retort it or um yeah, but you, yeah. you 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 can imagine you, what 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 the lyrics were misheard yeah. as right yeah. right um so which is weird so it definitely is most 100% definitely not a uh scat man freestyle because the singer is japanese and doesn't speak english which would cause the singer to not even know what words the well, improv they, stuff sounds like well, in, through English ears. Improvising in English to begin with. So it probably is not actually what it most what it sounds is like. Not. Yeah. However, a story got written anyway, accusing the song of including an ableist slur. The story got published. It's still up on the site today, even though they did publish a really big, shameful retraction and correction uh, explaining the situation and what happened and that they put it out too early without comment from Nintendo nor Atlas. And the retraction article includes a sentence, I kid you not, that says, we checked with Atlas, who confirmed that the actual lyrics of the song do not include the word retarded. And the fact that <laughs> we truly live in the stupidest timeline right now, if that's, if that's an actual sentence that had to get published to, to clarify a game journalism scandal, uh, ah, uh, this looks bad. It's so frustrating because, 
like the guys at Kotaku UK like the editor Rich Stanton is a really wonderful guy and I imagine he puts a lot of trust in his staff to do their job and I I'm not too familiar with Laura's work I know obviously we've had Jim on the show and she is one half of the Jimquisition mm-hmm. she actually reviewed Persona 5 for the Jimquisition site Okay, so, yeah, and it's weird to think that a game that's been out for almost three years that no one on the planet will have ever have heard this slur before her. And it's obviously probably somebody's kind of got high and mighty thinking they're pretty amazing to have found this piece of information out, wrote a story about it, and it turns out to be a non-existent thing. Which is upsetting because it reflects negatively on people who are already incredibly abused online for doing their job. Game journalists. She 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 wrote some tweets defending herself, saying that she was not expecting to publish this thing without comments from um from from the publishers and that Kotaku went through with it anyway. And that's, that's nonsense. I don't know. No, 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 no. That's that's actually how a lot of business in a busy newsroom works. That's w- one of the things that people should realize about working in a busy newsroom is that reporters work on multiple stories at the same time. And they also have a lot of stuff written out ahead of time, ready to publish during while waiting for the uh, fact checking and verification process. If it's going to take a day for an Atlas or Nintendo rep to get back to their emails, then they're not going to sit around and do nothing for that day. They're going to go ahead and write and then have a sort of like uh, a Mad Lib template ready to edit what they've previously written once the answers come back. And uh, as an example, obituaries. Everyone knows obituaries are written ahead of time. If Trump gets assassinated, then there are already going to be stories ready to go within minutes. They do not write that stuff as it comes out. It's it's all part of a preparatory process for the future. Yeah, but this is like something else, though. This is yeah, you're... <laughs> so strange. It's like, how did you think you were the only person in the world to hear this before everybody else? Two... The singer is Japanese. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I don't think it's intentional in that way. But you are, by byproduct of writing this article, insulting someone's pronunciation while singing a song in a different language. They that I I I am of the opinion that it's fine to write whatever as as you're working on the story, but it, they should not have published this. Like they should have waited for Atlas. <laughs> to make their statement confirming that the lyrics do not include this word and then either scrapped it or written a complete nothing like borderline humorous story about how some fans are mishearing these lyrics. And that's that that's what should have happened. Not not at this is a big fuck up. My opinion, and it's probably a bad opinion, is why <laughs> is this news in the first place? Well, as you'll see in a fan question later on in the podcast, stories like this shape public opinions and public perceptions about how our jobs as game media personalities are perceived among our audience as as gaming fans. No, no. The, the, the difference is why is this specific thing a story in the first place anyway? I guess because if it happened to actually be the word, 
then they most definitely should be news because that's just not on. But it's very almost yeah. easy to tell from listening to it and also understanding that the the game is Japanese. All the songs are sung in English by Japanese singers. This is a word that contains the like the letter R, which is the hardest word in Japanese with R and L and mm, yeah, combining yeah. that the influence English of the exists word. for a reason. They're, yeah, and the intonation. They do not have. Like, and this game hasn't just come out. It's a. It's yes. It's a part of the Smash DLC, but it's part of a game soundtrack that has been out for three years. There is no way on earth you are the first person to hear this song and think that's what that word is. So. This part of the song does not show up in the Persona 5 game itself. It's been part of the extended soundtrack. And I guess that's how she in particular missed it all these years. Oh, man, I don't know. But there's no way you write an article thinking you're the only person who's heard this. I... It's a shame. It's a, it's a re- it is a shame because I imagine there was no hurtful intention in writing the article and all the people who just jumped on the bandwagon criticizing her just being quote racist because it was a Japanese singer that's not right that's not on that's obviously not what's happened but I, I, I don't blame Laura but like I for me if this is news nowadays this is the reason why I don't even look on these websites anymore like I don't I don't care. I don't care about this stuff, man. I want some like I want some like news, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that I want the to Chinese know government the re yeah. re reassociates their their I, game industry censorship rules. That's yes. In that's that a big field, story. But not not like like I come from I come from an, an age where the black eyed peas, the original song said let's get retarded. I come from that age. So when I, I don't, I'm desensitized from it. So this doesn't, it's not news for me. It's not, I know, I know that's a bad opinion, but it's just not, it's just like, okay, if it did say it, then yeah, I'll take it out, whatever. But it's just like, I, I don't know, man. Like, this is what people write about now. It's just like, Jesus Well, Christ. no, but no, in fairness, if it was the word, I still think it would be news because it, it's not on, you, you know. Even if it does come from Japan. And to be fair, in my own personal experience, I've never ever heard the word retard in Japan. Ever. Mm. I, I've never heard it. It's a very English word that we use. And I've never heard like a katakana-based version of it or something like that. Japanese people tend to only use like four or five different swear words anyway. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like yeah, aren't the rules for for swearing really different in Japanese? Like it's it's more about how poetic you can make your insult rather than what words you use in it. Yeah, it's more like talking down to someone as much as you possibly can, like really put showing them the least respect possible, putting them down. But it's kind of like like the only English word they really say is fuck, and that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I, I, one, of, one of the interesting revelations in my game ratings video, which after these China rules is now completely obsolete, um, is that Persona gets higher ratings in Western countries because of language than it gets in Japan, where where cursing is is not as coherent a concept. Yeah, <sighs> it's rough. It's rough. I, I, I feel sad that um, 
for the people who want to be a writer, but uh, they have to work on multiple stories and. I've heard and including trash stories that get yeah, published before they should. I, I feel I, I'm so I'm so sad. I'm like so I, sad. I can't imagine her not wanting to write this and being given it by her editor and her editor publishing it before she wanted to. I yeah. having worked in a newsroom, I can actually imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So but because it's actually happened, because they went through with it, I don't know if it's appropriate to give them the benefit of the doubt anymore. The, the damage has been done. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Laura's been on the show on T- TLVG. Yeah. She's generally pretty okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising that it's coming from her as well. There's another Why element not? to it. What I've learned in my life is you don't know everything. You know, sometimes yeah. you, you just... You're never going to know the full story. So I usually give the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, hmm. that yeah, because <laughs> it did come off a little racist, right? But yeah, but yeah. Not yeah, I don't think that was the intention. I, I don't think that yeah. was the intention. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's it for that story. Wow, what a depressing news section. I know, right? Moving on to depressing. Remember how I told you guys I was just like depressed last night when making the outline? <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is what we're gonna talk about. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to listener questions. There's there's one one depressing one here that folds into the rest of it, but a lot of it is um gonna be more fun arguing about nostalgia and whatnot, which apparently went really well last week. We got we got some positive fan reception on our uh, ocarina discussion. Mm. Um, if you would like to hear us talk about, uh, your favorite old games and how nostalgia shapes opinions and how different our perspectives might be than yours based (laughs) on our formative, formative experiences, send you, (laughs) this is, is, it will be, it will be bad one time. Just, okay. It only takes one time. (laughs) Actually, I'm, I'm going to be a little more democratic about this. Matt, what would you like them to send us questions about? Oh God. The thing is, everything is game oriented, and I think that's just kind of our our audience. So maybe ask ask us something else that would want us to answer. <laughs> something know? about other than games. Other than games, yeah. Hmm. You can throw a little bit of that in there. I'm game. I'm if game. I'm game to. for other than games. Yeah. Uh, Liam, what would you like to uh, have our fans ask us questions about? Uh, ask Matt for recommendations on California instead of asking me all the time about recommendations about Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got a few of those this week, too. All I know is bars and and stuff like that. (laughs) That's the only thing I've been to. (laughs) They're the only things you need to know about. (laughs) Well, that's kind of true for California, at least L.A. area. If you would like to send in questions and hear us talk about weird topics of your choosing, please send them in to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Our first question comes from Pavement. Pavement asks, where do you draw the line for what you consider, quote, We finally games? hit rock bottom. We finally <laughs> Literally, <laughs> yeah! Oh, that's good. <laughs> Where do you draw the line for what you consider games? Even though Valhalla has gamey portions, those arguably serve only as engaging busy work to string together linear character and plot developments. What ingredients must you throw in the pot before you can say you've created a game? Oh god, I don't even want to answer this question anymore. It's... I, I kind of 
answered this in a video. Ooh, um, a Guild Wars Two video, perhaps no, no, <laughs> from no, two thousand and twelve. It was, it was, it was that Dragon Cancer. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I had to look up some of my old stuff, and I believe I said something of um, gameplay kind of enhances the experience of the story, and and instead of just like watching something, you're interacting with it. You have more of a um, I don't know, like a, a connection, yeah, to the story, yeah. and I, yeah. I think any type of interaction. I mean, even if it's kind of bare bones, you can consider it a game. But I, I don't, I don't think it matters. Like, oh, this is not a game. This is this is a game. This is, I, I don't. I'm not really much of a judger in that way, so nope. I might be biased. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's just like okay, it's 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 on the store. You know, if for, it's for good, me, if the story, I, if it's whatever is trying to accomplish, if it's good, then it's fine. I, I think I'm in the same boat. It's the interactive element I need, which means I have a very open-ended definition, an open-minded definition. The line between, yeah, no, any interactive electronic software, I am probably going to call a game. Mm-hmm regardless of whether or not it has puzzles and combat or whatever, because what the thing I've, the constant I've noticed throughout my life is that us nerdy people are in all into the same stuff. We, that's, it's the word we've used for the past 40 years to refer to interactive electronic software entertainment. And I expect that in the future, as more and more distinct subgenres develop and experiences like the Bandersnatch, uh, become popular the word game will still be used to refer to that like in japan liam games are like games being recognized as a mainstream form of entertainment has been around for a little longer and it's not that controversial to toss that word around so far as i know well being an otaku is something that's completely different like a game, yeah. Oh, that well, word means different things in, in English versus Japanese. It's like yeah, kind of yeah, an yeah. insult. But like right? if you were a game otaku, it's very specifically a thing to do with anything that you engage with that comes off a TV, I guess. It, it's weird because game, you know, the sort of dictionary definition is it's just an activity that someone engages in for amusement. So, you know, if you're playing. Dear Esther, and you're in, you're interacting with the keyboard, and you're playing it, and you're having amusement, then it's by definition a game. My definition myself as a game designer and like how I would design games is very different to what I still consider a game. The game I would design, to me, that would fit the specifications of what a game is, is different to the scope of which I think games are. Go on. For example, like, I would never make a game like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture or Gone Home because to me they lack the type of game that I want. Like, the the type of interaction that I want to give the player. Like, there is not enough. And it's not the right style. It's But to me, they are still games. Like, as as a player rather than a developer? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you know, there has been stuff, uh, like visual novel based stuff, like Danganronpa, or, for example, or to a, you know, uh, an extent persona. There's a lot of just like reading and non interaction, pressing one button kind of stuff. 
over and over again until you get to a certain point. Dungarompa being a, a really good example of that, or like uh, nine hours, nine nine, nine hours, nine. nine doors, nine people, or whatever it's yeah. called. Like great games, really great games. Less so on the like game interactivity part, but still a great game, and I really enjoy it. But I not games I would design. And I'm I'm just not pedantic enough to say that my enjoyment is what classifies the thing as a game or not. I I feel like that really depends more on what society as a whole uses the word for than my own definition. I don't. I I, I typically regard such arguments as kind of self-indulgent and pedantic yeah for the most part i yeah i think i think agree i think it's we're all on the same page people like oh walking simulators are not games and that actually here it is gave me whiplash when gone home got the reception from that chunk of the fan base that it did i was shocked because when i was growing up making mods for games i would make cool little walkabout levels in the map editor for for like Quake 3 Engines Jedi Academy and it was not controversial back then. One of the best rated PC games of all time is Myst. Like come on. There's like a a bit more interactivity in Myst maybe than Gone Home but not really. You still solve puzzles in Gone Home they're just easy puzzles. Yeah and that's the thing. It it tests your reading comprehension. It is definitely one of those eye of the beholder type things. And it definitely fits into two categories for me. Like the type of game I would design is the is the type of game I would like to play. You know, and we we know what type of games I like to play. So that is different to what I consider games, though. Game is stuff that's interactive, and it's weird because stuff like Bandersnatch, for example, sits in a weird chasm of like, well, it's interactive to mm-hmm. a point. But if you were to walk out on the street and say Netflix made this video game type thing called Bandersnatch, it wouldn't be right. But people would know what you're talking about. They'd be able to formulate an image based off that word that well, actually rep- represents the product. Well, it's it's weird because we come up with these weird pseudo names for stuff like interactive game. You know, like uh, the old PC uh, light. What do we what do we used to call them? Like Night Trap. FMV games. FMV games, uh, yeah, like weird full motion video games. Like yeah, they have I would to have call like Bandersnatch a, an FMV game. Yeah, they have to have like a suffix added to them to like explain what type of interactivity Therefore, game they are. Therefore, like, I would consider it a genre of game. Yeah, like walking simulator game. All FMV games are games, but not all FMVs are games. Yeah, so yeah, it does fit in like a weird situation. Games are games. And, These are yeah. games. They are interactive. My, my definition this is synonymous. This podcast is interactive. With, Press two with. now to kill Matt. Yeah, we we play games on this podcast sometimes. You know, uh, uh, I I wouldn't consider a vending machine a game because there's not an entertainment element to that. And entertainment electronic software is is basically where I I draw that line. <laughs> I mean, with a vending machine, you technically have a final result, which is one of the uh, major theoretical stipulations of what defines a game. The game has to have a final result. Yeah, 
You guys, you guys uh, remember when you're kids and you're real bored and you just play with the vending machine buttons? Did anyone else do that? A vending machine may not be a game, but it's possible to make a game out of a vending machine. I mean, you can make entertainment out of most things. It's, whether it classifies them as a game or not is, well, pedantic. Uh, yeah. Move. And, and, and any further thoughts? No, no. We've solved it. We have some dope. We solved names the games today. industry. Jesus. Our next question comes from Sick Boy Jojo. Sick boy? I would care. <laughs> I would I care it. to know if you had any video games that you have sentimental value for that is not aged well. For instance, I love Final Fantasy VIII, even though the junction system was garbage and the story was insanely full of plot holes and the gun blades made no sense. But it still remains my favorite Final Fantasy. Most games on the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. Snowboard kids. You know, last week we were just talking about Ocarina, and I think we all agreed it didn't age well, but we have a special place in our heart for it. Yep, Snowboard Kids on the N64, uh, Soul Reaver on the PlayStation 1. Ooh, uh, Skies of Arcadia is a game that is a very generic JRPG, but it was the first one I played, which meant it floored me. Oh god, it handles like garbage. I played that maybe like four years ago again. Oh, wow. For me, it's probably uh, Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah. Goldeneye is not aged Some janky shit. (laughs) It is bad. You have oh, to, the, do you know you have to move the analog stick? And there's no aim? like dialogue or sound to it. Everyone either grunts or has gunshots, and that's the like the only oh, bit of the soundscape to it. Surreal kind of. And the dream-like. guns have that weird like slapping noise there. <laughs> and no reload reload animations either. They just they just slide to the bottom of the screen. You hear a click and then they slide back in. Also, is it the AK forty seven that looks like a pencil? Yes, it mm-hmm. is. The guns do yes. not even look like guns. Yes, I I played that on multiplayer for hours, man, for hours. Way before I played single player. That sound when he though. gets hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's weird. It's weird. I, I, yeah, I, I also like the game. fact that you could be like, it'd be like one of those heated moments. It'd be like, and then you just pull out your watch and it goes, and it goes, and it just slows down everything, changes the music, changes everything. You just pieced out for however long you wanted. Oh man, that's a smart transition screen, though. Man, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, that's crazy. I was thinking about it because, do you know what? It's like I was very, very tempted today to buy Dragon's Dogma for the Switch. Mm. Is it good? Good, good, good choice. Yeah, yeah. And I played the demo a long time ago. And I really, really enjoyed it, and I never got around to playing the full game. And I was thinking about buying the Switch version, and I was still probably going to buy it. And I was watching videos of it, and I was like, wow, this game looks janky as fuck. And then I remembered it's like seven years old already. And I was like, oh. Yeah, Switch version's got a 75 on Metacritic. I wonder if they, they fudged the port. Supposedly, I heard it was a really good port. Oh, okay, never mind then. I wonder why it has a 76 then, or 75. Because maybe bad. it's janky? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. 
Uh, last but not least is the sad question. This is the one that this uh, Kotaku UK Persona story contextualizes. Amy Z asks, People have been making fun of game journalists in comment sections since what feels like the dawn of time. But over the years, I've witnessed the hate towards game journalists reach a level of ubiquity I am uncomfortable with. Whether it's a journalist receiving online abuse for not being good enough at a game, or accusations of political nature being made against journalists, and often whole entire websites, it feels like every few months there is a new controversy regarding any number of video game news sites that ends with someone being on the receiving end of harassment. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on this? I personally feel that game journalists should get a lot more respect. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Like the IGN thing. Like people that still now, watch the videos, so I don't understand. Th this very week, we have that story that is fuel for this fire. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, and and it's sad. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's it's especially sad because right now I feel like. A lot of that criticism has kind of been manifested into the wonderful career of Jason Schreier, who, if anything, should be a model for game journalism to follow and is making it better right now than it usually is. Yeah. But a lot of the 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 hatred like really kind of sort of begins in the mid 90s when when the magazine publications turned into a race for exclusive previews and previews back then were always positive. It was creepy even as a kid reading these magazines how the reviews would not really hold any punches but previews would always 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 give the game the benefit of the doubt that it would turn out right and that would create a lot of hype and create a lot of sales that uh would not end up being reflected in review content that always that always struck me as pretty weird but Nowadays, after the internet, with uh, more of a, a more democratized media landscape that is less dependent on review copies, I feel like we are living in a better era of video game journalism, and yet stuff like this Kotaku story keeps happening. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like people need to do is look at the headline, the bylines underneath news stories, the the individual authors who are writing them, and realize that someone like Jason Schreier might generally always be right on the money, whereas other Kotaku editors might not. Uh, news also, its primary function is to spread recent knowledge quickly. Uh, mistakes will be made naturally as part of this process, and what publications are supposed to do is issue corrections and retractions as they do, and also, you know, go through a rigorous process of fact-checking and verification before actually publishing stuff. But what people should really be using to formulate their their realities out of is a consensus of published fact check stories rather than just one there should be a consensus considered like i oftentimes don't read individual reviews but instead will like look at a metacritic score to pick a game up when when historians are like pulling over news articles from history to write history they're not going to use any one particular news story as a source. They will use multiples, cross-reference them against each other, and see which news stories all get the same details, because that might be the truth, rather than than the, the, the details. Um, yeah, no, media literacy is something that I feel should be taught, and has also gone way, way out the window since the advent of cable news, which sped up the process for that race for timeliness and exclusivity to a kind of sort of absurd degree in the American media landscape. Like, in Britain, isn't the news a hell of a lot more dry than it is here in the States? 
Like, like you're not allowed. You're literally not allowed in Canada to lie in the news, and as a result, the news is a lot more boring to watch. And that used to be the case. It used to be subsidized by major networks and produced at a loss up until CNN and Fox News cropped up on the scene in the '90s to make ad-driven news and kind of sort of mesh it with entertainment. And there's other countries that are very liberal, well-funded Western democracies that have a lot more restrictions placed on what you're allowed to publish and label it as news than here in the States. And I feel like that's created a, a generation of kids who don't know better. I mean, you said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, 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 uh... You, you went in. I've, I've taken classes on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I wonder to... what the demographic is for that. Like, you, you think it's all kids that are just have no respect for uh, for people? Oh, I think that's part of people's it. jobs, or or it's just just everybody. We all remember what happened in in August to October of 2014, and imagine what it's like being a kid who grew up with that instead of an adult who has the context to be able to cynically disregard what sounds like alarmism. Uh, it's weird because I, I feel like a lot of it comes down to jealousy, too. Jealousy? Uh, with games, uh, the idea of being a games journalist, reviewing games for a living, being someone who gets to talk about video games as a job, and the uh, the kind of weird elitism, like ownership that video game communities have always had. Like I yeah. know better than you. I yeah. fucking play games all the fucking time. I am way better than you. Why do you have that medium job? Why that, don't that, I have that? That like, oftentimes you're so wrong. It, so it differentiates have, its users between winners and losers, and yeah, maybe so, that's part of the mindset. So when they have like something that happens where it's kind of like. For example, Laura K. Dale and the Persona thing, the easiest thing to do is be like, you're a disgrace. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you have this job? Like, it should be more respected people like us who know more about, like, Japanese language culture, who know about Persona's yeah. history. And yeah. I, and then it feels like a lot of people mm. are just kind of that's, just. That's and another thing. People always go to the worst. I, I feel like the... Uh the the speed with which journalists have to play through games means that they can't really specialize in any one particular genre or series like fans can that is a luxury that is not afforded to you when your job is to play through as much shit as possible and to be perfectly honest like back when i was doing reviews i kind of hated that i hated not being able to really dive into something i loved i did not want to gloss over something that was great and then have to dive into something that was mediocre for a review. Like, it was really a kind of miserable way of looking at my time spent playing games. And it's weird, because one of the things that really frustrates me about the abuse that Jason gets at Kotaku is Jason does pretty much the best work in regards to video game journalism that's out there. Like, there is excellent pieces throughout the year that we always have, but Jason be is sad like a consistent... Jason is like a consistent, every story is well-researched, he spends months doing it, he looks into stuff that other people are afraid to do because of the fear of backlash from companies and publishers upon their own media yeah. outlet. Kotaku has been blacklisted by Bethesda for like four years now because of something they wrote. Who is it? Who is in the wrong here? 
easily Bethesda. That is such a childish and bullshit way to do anything. And so, now Schreier's getting published in the New York Times. Like, that guy, the, I feel, is going to go places, and we are going to remember him. And that's the thing. is like, Jason is doing this incredible work, and, like, what a lot of people don't understand, he's doing work that is almost needed. Like, all of his, like, research into, like, Crunch at Rockstar and, like, Bioware has now spiraled into other outlets not being afraid to look into it. So we've had, like, the Polygon one about Fortnite recently. There's some been some stuff about, like, the stuff on Mortal Kombat that's coming out. Like, he is paving the way so other people can do it freely. And that is, like, for people like me who have suffered at the hands of big companies doing stuff like that, his investigative journalism is incredible. But the abuse he gets is from people, fanboys, who will defend these companies... Like the Bioware one, where they'll defend Bioware for their decision to do it, and they should be able to do what they want to make the games. And Jason getting abused because people don't fucking understand that companies don't care about you. You can't be defensive of a company that you're a fan of when they do bad stuff. A lot of people also haven't fully internalized the concept that every single transaction you ever make is an adversarial one. Companies are not your friends. You are always, there will always be a profit motive mm. skimming stuff off of the purchases you make that go to non-productive fundings like offshore tax haven accounts. Schreier's reporting also is like completely outside of the model game journalism used to be of digging after exclusive previews in order to get early access to reviews that you had more freedom to write about. Like he doesn't, he's not part, he's not beholden to those interests. He, he has a network of anonymous insiders that feed him information behind the scenes of scandals going on that people otherwise wouldn't know about that the companies do not share with the, the news outlets. And that's actually a more representative model of how journalism over the past century has worked since, since yeah. the 1920s and it's, 30s. It, I find it incredibly strange that people pick apart Kotaku as frequently as they do. Kotaku being like the the mother load for people's obsessions with conspiracies about video game journalism and stuff like that. Kotaku are blacklisted by multiple big companies because they've written stories that these companies don't want out mm-hmm. there. That's the big difference. And Kotaku are the only ones doing it. It's really strange that they get such abuse where, and I think IGN do excellent work and they do creative content for their viewers. It gets muddled in with the amount of like advertorial stuff that IGN do, which really is such a creaky line between when they're reviewing a game critically, but they're also doing advertorial stuff about that game. And that is a weird creaky line that I feel is fully open to criticism. Yes, yes, that is a con... There is a very clear conflict of interest when a video game maker is providing you exclusive access for products that you create content with and then later on some stories pop out saying that video game maker is uh d- working their people out of a career in games that that they're not paying their people oh, overworking their people exactly why so why would ign ever report about bioware or why would ign ever make an investigative report about bioware's crunch habits if they have a anthem advertorial relationship with them like i get it it's business you gotta make money 
go to pay people. It's fine. If you're making cool, quirky, like, TV show-esque things, like Up at Noon with, like, Brian and Max that are fun and great, that's fine. But to, like, criticize, like, Jason Schreier for doing the work he's doing is so weird to me. It's such a weird video game fan defensive thing. He's really, like, the first major instance of, of game journalism trending in that direction. I remember before him there were uh, some Kickstarter projects that would travel around the world and interview some indie developers, but I can't remember uh, stories about AAA developers being made similarly on such a large scale as however he is able to be funded to do that. And I expect it's because Kotaku does not rely on as much advertising from video game products as a publication like IGN. Their funding comes from 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 some other kind of advertising that might be less flattering in the long run, but it's ultimately a more more appropriate source for if if it's able to push out these kinds of stories. <sighs> well, right. it's wow. it, it's tough. It's tough. Respect the people who bring you the news, apart from when <laughs> it's so hard to follow up the Kotaku news from this week about Laura with this question. I also hate to say it, but it's also really important that you as a reader check the primary sources the journalists are using and make your own interpretation that you will cross-reference with theirs to uh, maybe make a more clear or easily understandable version of reality. That's extra work, though. But it also might m make life make more sense for you. Or, 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 just listen to the Dan Sons podcast every week. But we're, we get shit wrong all the time. I know, but at least we're open about it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is the most reliable, 100% viable beef source for all your Guild Wars 2 news. Oh, yeah. That's that's me. <laughs> we, we we never get Guild Wars Two news wrong, do we? No, sorry, I was just playing World of Warcraft over here. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Not out of, that's, out of that's pure, a throwback uh, joke. Whoever gets that, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Not out of pure interest. When was the last time you actually played Guild Wars Two? Oh no, I played Guild Wars Two last week, actually. Really? Well, you're still doing well, it? Yeah, because um. Because they're about to release some huge patch, and I went in there, you know, <laughs> tried the, out some we of the We fired half of our staff, so... Uh, huh? So, oh! Yeah. Is, and this, is, is that the we fired half of our staff patch? Oh, oh yeah. And and yeah. with with that being said, it uh, might, be, might be time for us to wrap this up and head out of here. Yeah, I gotta go to work. Yeah. Time to play some Guild Wars 2! Yeah. <laughs> 